Welcome to Real Money Talks, how to make money, manage money, and invest money. Your Real Money Talks host, Laurel Langmire, gets straight to the point about what it actually takes to make money and build lasting wealth in today's changing economic climate. If you're ready to get the financial results you've always dreamed of, keep listening. Real Money Talks is the right place for you. And now here's your host, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel, and welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks. I'm excited to be with you today and uh, talk about a subject that I think uh, causes people extraordinary pain, and that's how do you go into business with a friend or a partner? And the first thing I want to do in that topic is pull it apart. So going into business with a friend, I think, is way more complex and emotional than going into business with a partner. So I would just really challenge why. And the first thing I think you got to look at in any deal are the skill sets of the team. So what does each person bring to the party? So get a pen and paper, and we're going to have that conversation today. We're going to talk about, you know, how do you choose a partner? And uh, whether you're bringing the deal or they're bringing the deal, how do you pick that team is how I want you thinking about it. Um, What are the terms of that deal? How do you exit those deals? I always say, how do you design your business divorce while you're in love? So get a pen and paper, and uh, let's get started. And um, I'm going to be making a product out of this conversation because I think there needs to be some checklists and some, you know, thorough thinking before people just jump into business. I see it happen all the time. And women, you are the worst. I always say, you know, God put me here in a woman's body to kick you women in the rear a little bit and shape you up because business is less than 50 years old for most for most women. Um, you know, men did it forever and ever and ever. And women have a different collaborative style, um, a different emotional approach, a different need and goal a lot of times. And uh, it's taken me years, I me mean, decades to really... I shouldn't say shift my approach, but to really just treat business like business, you know, and a lot of you women have hobbies and I'm not like making you wrong. I'm just saying, you know, what's the intent? What's the intent of the, this joint venture, call it the business, the partnership, what are you doing and what's the outcome? So being really clear on that and then bringing, you know, knowing who brings, you know, what to the party. So let's start with uh, kind of the breakdown. How do you get in? What are some things you can do during the relationship to manage and keep it healthy? And what are some different things to think about in the beginning to create a really great exit and an ending? Because they're all of these deals have an ending. And too many people walk in Pollyanna say, oh, we're just going to be together forever. No, you're not. And so when you really have a serious conversation and scope it properly, I find the relationships last much, much longer. At any time, again, in uh, any of our conversations, go to asklaurel.com, give me your name, phone number, and email, and uh, ask for an appointment, ask me any question, we will get back to you right away. So let's start this off. So what's the point of the deal, right? Is it a short-term deal? And I'm going to kind of break that down because some businesses are actually, like I'm getting into some new ones right now, and they're actually very busy. They're daily active businesses. So I know just given my other commitments, the amount of time or not that I can give to that level of a daily active business. So is it a daily active business? How much is required in totality? not only just from you, but from the partners or even hired staff. Um, 
Is it more of a passive investment? Like I do a lot of real estate uh, notes and flips, and I'm typically the money and the creative ideas and input and accounting and legal, but I'm not the one working in the streets doing the deal. So I think you got to look at how much is required. And then the smartest thing to do is who do you need? Unemotionally look at the business or the joint venture, the project and say unemotional to the players having the conversation. What is the skill set that is needed and most likely to create success from this opportunity. So do you need a copywriter? Do you need a graphic designer? Do you need a rehabber? Do you need a contractor? Do you need, you know, a lawyer? Do you need an accountant? Like, who do you really need if you have an ideal team? And speak from that perspective. So without names, because uh, a lot of times uh, what happens is that you'll be designing the business and forcing roles that are necessary by the people sitting around the table. And sometimes, you know, I think in a mature business situation, some of the people around the table need to say, you know, I'm not really needed on this team. Yeah, I'd like to be on this team, but I'm not really needed on this team. And maybe they take a role then as an advisor, if they have any input to it, maybe they take a role of an investor or finding money, uh, or maybe they bow out. So I think that's the beginning of all the relationships is is who's really necessary, needed. I'm sure there's a lot of emotional, you know, especially with women, you tend to do this emotional, oh, be such a good girlfriend project. And uh, those tend to not work out. While I'm speaking of that, about that too, I see even if they're a friend going into a relationship like this, there is a different hat they wear called a business partner in this relationship that you define. And I think when you are with mature people who can wear different hats, and not collapse the hats. So, you know, if you really want to go into business with a friend, which I'm not a huge fan of that, um, and I've seen it done successfully more with men than with women, then be very clear which hat you're wearing. So, you know, today I have some great men business partners. Like today we're just, you know, going to go ski. There's no business conversation. Uh, we're going out for a nice dinner. There's no business conversation. And that there's really times and places for those meetings and it's not all collapsed. The more collapsed your relationships are, the worse this is all going to get. So I would have that conversation is can you uncollapse the relationships and hold them independently and, um, and wholly in what you agreed to do? So all that being said, that sounds easy. And there's a lot of work to that. So one of the things that I always design, and I even do this with husband and wife teams, you know, when I'm working with them, is I want you to just go independently, not as a group, independently, and write out kind of the, the background of what I just spoke of, you know, in an ideal world, who would be the players, uh, what makes them, what they're bringing to the business appropriate, um, what, you know, typically what a deal requires or any sort of a project, it requires the brains, the expertise to do it. It requires time of somebody to do the actual work. It requires uh, investor dollars, potentially. It requires some sales experience by somebody, for sure, no matter what, what the business is, and some operational background. So I want you to go independently and design who should be on the team, what would be the roles, how would they be compensated, and what do you think is fair from where you sit? And then everybody come together with that is one of my first homework assignments. And it's vastly shocking how different all those opinions are because you have to do your own thinking. You can't like lean into the group thinking. And then that least begins a discussion of how far off you are. And it also clarifies the project or the business. 
Like, you know, how did you think you were going to run it? How did you think it was going to get funded? Who was going to be doing the work? And one of the biggest role descriptions that has to be solved, and I've had some breakdowns in, in past relationships because of this, is how people get paid. Because whoever sells, whoever brings the lead and the money to the business will always get paid more. Who always, always, who brings the lead and the biz- and the money to the business will always be paid more. So I think it's really critical for those roles and then how people get paid. What does, uh, and then I'm going to go on to the next big category is if you are raising capital, which is more of a, you know, a completely enhanced conversation from this one. Um, I'm in the middle of doing that right now, but does, what does money get? What do the investors get? What kind of shares? What kind of votes? What kind of um, duration? Are they on a com- like a convertible you know, note or just a note in general and they're taken out in three years? How do the investors get paid back? How does the money get used? I mean, that's a whole podcast or three or four or five all by themselves is how do you put a project together where you do need to raise capital? So I'm talking more just uh, more simple, simple businesses might lead a little capital, but not a big, big money raise in this whole conversation. So what are the roles? How do they get paid? Big, big conversation. And then how do you operationalize it? So obviously, you're going to need some sort of an entity, an LLC, as typically across the nation, limited proprietaries or just general, you know, corporations in other countries. And what are the operating agreement? So inside the operating agreement, you're going to be having conversations and and actually writing down what are the roles, how do people get paid, how do the investors get paid, what's going to be the use of funds, what's the sales plan, what's the marketing plan, is there going to be buy-sell agreements? So if a partner wants out, typically a way that you know has been employed many times is a buy-sell agreement for first right of refusal, that the core owners and those who get to vote um, get the first right of refusal to buy back those shares? Are those shares done on uh, what kind of evaluation of the dollar amount of those shares is going to be required? All this has to be pre-thought of before you go into the relationship. Who's going to own the database? Who's going to own the URL? In real estate, I love real estate rentals and how many you know clients that I have coached around who gets the post office box. Why? Because that's where the rent checks go. Very, very, very important that that's where the rent checks go and that's... Um, where the money goes. So whoever has the key uh, can command more of the cash. And some of you listening might say, these are kind of ridiculous, like really, like this is how you're thinking of stuff. These are things that I have seen relationships fall apart upon, is you took the database because you were more technical. You took the post office key and you're withholding all the rents. Um, Expenses. How are you going to pay for expenses? I'm a huge fan of you personally not owning a business uh, in your own name that one of your other companies, a management company, marketing company, one of your other companies will own the shares of your company, of that that next one, and that you're personally out of it. Because then in your own personal business, you can do your own personal expenses. What I find with people who are pretty new to business is they think all of a sudden all their expenses are going to be paid for the, by, by the business. And in more mature operations, everybody kind of handles their own, and the business functions by itself. So... Uh, very different um, thinking, more mature thinking, smarter thinking. The big one that has to be in the operating agreement is how will you have a business divorce? So how do you have a business divorce while you're in love? And the reason I say why you're in love is I want it to be done on the front end. So what are you wanting to do with this business? Are you wanting to cash flow it? Are there certain parties that want to get out? Are there certain parties that want to stay in? Like how do you want this to go? Do you want to just build it and sell it? Is there somebody in the company that wants to acquire it solely? As you're hearing through all of this checklist, 
it's the best thinking is done on the beginning. Now, a lot of times you'll say, well, the best thinking, you don't know enough, right? And I've had a massive, you know, expensive experience of, you know, allowing um, too much time to go on before the agreement was done and too much, you know, uh, information had been transferred and makes the knowledge of the people who have the knowledge or the intellectual property or some sort of uh, an invention or patent, it allows them to have a lesser leverage position. So I would encourage you to get it done, to get it papered, to get it really clear, and have have your own attorneys. Here's another big one. Boy, we're, I could go on on this one for a long time. Uh, this just whole conversation because there's so many I've done. Well, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of partnerships and what made them work and what didn't make them work and what caused them to fall down and what kept them strong. And each of you having your own team, your own lawyer team coming into the deal, I think is absolutely essential. So having one group lawyer typically does not work, although the one group lawyer would stand for the company. And then individually, you'd have to get your own lawyers. And you really need to have everything that you're done, you're doing, you know, clearly reviewed and handled up front. couple inside operational issues, things to think about is who's going to be doing the accounting? Is there going to be a third party? What technology you're going to use? Which software systems are you going to use? Who has access? Who has administrative controls? Who the name is the URLs and the merchant service accounts and all of that in. And I know that sounds really, for some of you that are more sophisticated, you're like, of course I know all this. I know. So for you that are more sophisticated, I hope this is just some great reminders. And for a lot of people that have been in business for a while, a lot of little things get missed. So this is uh, me just going through a list to have you really think thoroughly about going into business. And one last piece that I want to just point to, and one of my greatest mentors told me this, is um, never give equity to what you can hire. Never give equity to what you can hire, which means, you know, this whole shark tank phenomenon has really raised the level of bringing a shark on your team. And I've been sharking since before shark tank even, you know, hit the TV airways. And, um, they make it look at some level easier than it is. And there's a lot of detail that isn't discussed on the show because it's an entertainment, you know, structure, not an educational structure. I mean, there's some education in it, but it's very in- entertainment oriented as every all TV is. But, you know, bringing a shark onto your team and bringing in investors may be necessary. But the truth is, they're expensive to get out. And did you need them to do it? And there's a lot of smaller businesses where you can go down to the bank and get a four or five, you know, three, four, five, six percent note. There are, you know, SBAs, BDCs, all sorts of places that give loans to small businesses, much cheaper money. And you don't have to do the dilution or the exit clause to try to get a, an investor out or, you know, the vernacular of a shark out. So I know having a shark in your tank sounds like super sexy, but the truth is it can actually become more volatile and more stressful. Again, just go into that conversation very openly and aware and get some advice. Have someone that actually knows how to look at your financials and your numbers give you advice to whether that's a smart move or not. I find a lot of times that if you, you know, somebody thinks they need three, four, five hundred thousand, that's not hard money to go find when you're around smart money. So before you go give a chunk of equity, like I have a woman in Canada, oh my gosh, for $200,000, which she could have just made herself consulting or selling her product, pre-selling her product. She could have made the money in less than a month, maybe two months. She gave a huge chunk of equity for for two hundred grand. Now these guys have a big voice. They're kind of bossing her around. 
Um, I see it all the time. I see really inappropriate business relationships uh, and uh, the money getting distorted upon like a desperate need. So don't get desperate. There's always money. There's always around. You just have to have the right plan, the right team, the right mentor, the right coach to uh, guide you through the process and a really smart business lawyer. Not just any lawyer, really smart business lawyer. So a lot of facets to it, a lot of uh, checklists to it. And um, if you want any help with this, I love helping, um, you know, can do some just just in time coaching. Uh, Again, go to asklaurel.com. Give me your name, phone number, and email. Ask a question, ask for an appointment, and uh, let's stay together in this amazing conversation of how do you get a proper joint venture or business deal done. This is Laurel signing off on laurelsrealmoneytalk.com. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thank you for joining Laurel for this segment of Real Money Talks, how to make money, manage money, and invest money. To continue this new conversation and to find free resources to support your wealth creation, visit asklaurel.com forward slash podcast gifts. That's A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L dot com forward slash podcast gifts. Thanks for listening and join us again soon. New episodes are released every week.